it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at savewithconrad.com. Welcome to 5460, the Joe West podcast. Featuring former Major League Baseball umpire Joe West. For six decades, no one has seen more baseball than Joe West. And now he shares those stories with you every week right here on the Podcast Heat Network. is asking the Reds to leave the field. I guess maybe as a form of security. Well, Joe West is not going back behind the, the catcher. So what is he doing? He, he wants to throw him out or what? He's not going to back away from confrontation. It's just not in his makeup. Which guy are we talking about back in the way? Well, come to think of it, hey, it's both guys. And they're warning the Atlanta dugout now. A helmet came flying out. Bobby Cox, I don't think, threw the helmet. One of his players did. But Bobby's jawing back at Joe West. But somebody's been tossed, and here comes Cox. It was Bobby Cox who threw the helmet out there. Off the umpire, oh. and that's a foul ball. Joe West gets drilled, and he appears none the worse for it. <laughs> He's a strong man. Nice. Now Joe's going to give him some argument because Mark's saying, "Why do you do?" Joe, just get over there and umpire, will you? Yeah. Just get over there and umpire. No. That's all. It's 5460, the Joe West podcast. Here's Joe West and your host. Mike Claiborne. 
Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of 5460, the Joe West Podcast. I'm Mike Claiborne, along with Joe West. And Joe, we thought this week what we would do with the All-Star Game just around the corner, we talked a little bit about the All-Star Game because we always talk about the players, but believe it or not, and you know this as well as anybody, they do have to have umpires. And it's, a, it's an honor for them as well. So tell me, first of all, how does that work as far as the selection process for umpires? We know the fans and they have another method of selecting so, uh, the reserves for players. But what about umpires? How does that work? Well, it used to be on a rotation basis. When I first came into the league, everything in, in baseball was on a rotation basis. And they would you couldn't work the All-Star game until everybody in, that was in the league when you started had worked it one time it was the same thing with the, with the world series and the playoffs and uh, so it was rotated around according to whose turn it was and you could almost tell when it was going to be your turn by the number of years you got it well the third year of that collective bargaining agreement uh, we did away with that and we gave the the rights to the leagues to pick who they wanted to work all the events before that we got a compensation of what's called a pooling money so they could pick whoever they want as long as they put so much money in this pool for every umpire on the staff. So that that went okay for the all-star game because then they started picking people, you know, and they'd usually pick the younger umpires to work it. They'd pick a senior crew chief. And one thing that they don't do today that they did back then was every other year it changed from American League to a National League park, mm-hmm. National League park to the American League park. And so that changed every year. Well, as as time went on, and uh, it's really funny because uh, the All-Star game had gotten to a point where no one really cared who won except for the league presidents of each separate league. They'd get mad at each other for whoever went. And in the beginning, I don't think people realized where the All-Star game came from. It came from the Great Depression, and it was started – I think the first game was something like 1933. And uh, it, it, it came about because they were having the uh, the World's Fair in Chicago. And uh, so the mayor of Chicago wanted something special to happen at the World's Fair. So he went to the Tribune and he asked the, the guy that owned the Tribune, some, he, he had a funny name, Colonel something. I don't know why I want to say Colonel Parker, but it wasn't that Colonel. No, it wasn't that guy. Anyway, anyway uh, and he said, I, I need a special sporting event. So he went to his uh, head of the sports department, and uh, the guy came up with this idea that uh, we'd get all the best players in both leagues, and they'd play uh, a game against each other because back then they only had 16 teams, and the, you never saw the teams from the National League. If you were an American League fan, you never saw them the other players from the other league. So it was, it became a novel idea, but I'll give the owners credit. Even back then they were thinking ahead. They would not, they refused to take a loss on the game. They said, if the game is a failure, uh, the tribune has to pay the cost of it. So they put the burden on the tribune, which they ponied up and did, did quite well. In fact, I think the first game drew 50,000 people and it was the talk of the town because, uh, I think Babe Ruth hit a home run uh, to win the game, four to two for the American League. But uh, the game was as it evolved. Uh, 
got to where uh, the first two managers were guys like Connie Mack and John McGraw. Well, the next year they made the managers be the managers that had previously managed in the world series the year before. So that started the very second year of it. In fact, Ford Frick at the time said that if this didn't make money, we wouldn't play it. <laughs> so <laughs> that was one of, the, one of the things is this game had to make money or it was going to be done away with. And then after a few years, uh, they actually had a stretch there in the forties, I think, where they played two games during the season. And I think that's when the players got involved and said, you know, we need a portion of this money for like pension money and stuff. And, uh, and I'm not exactly sure when that happened, but that was part of the original scheme of the all-star game was to take the revenue and put it in the player's pension fund. So years passed and, you know, early on the American league had the advantage because they had Ruth and Garrig and Jimmy Fox and so on. But later on, in the 50s and 60s, when uh, the National League had Mays and Aaron and so on, uh, the National League had a run at it, and, and they were the dominant league for a while. Then I think it was, uh, if I remember this correctly, they said that 1957, because the fans got to vote for the players on the team, the Cincinnati Reds stuffed got the ballot a, box. They stuffed the ballot box and had all eight players in the National League were Cincinnati Reds players. <laughs> And Ford Frick at the time said, that's not going to work. We're going to put Stan Musial and Willie Mays and Hank Aaron in the outfield, but you can pick the infield. <laughs> but that, so that became a, a contentious thing. And in fact, some of the fans got all mad because they said, I spent 800 votes on this. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's been a good thing for the fans. And, and you know what? It's, uh, it's been a moneymaker for the owners. And so from, from the very beginning, from its conception, during the depression, it, it was a, a kind of a highlight of the, of the season. It's almost like the masters in golf. They don't play it in the last game of the season. They don't play it in the last tournament. They play it in the middle of the golf season. In fact, uh, it, it's, it's kind of funny because uh, it, it's, it's a break for a lot of players to get rested and get back ready to go. And it's, it's a break for a lot of umpires too, but uh, the umpires, and this is a funny story. You, you'll like this. For for years, like we said, it was it would go National League, American League, National League, American League. Well, the first time they had the All Star Game in Milwaukee, after Milwaukee had become a National League team, the selection of umpires came out, and Bruce Fremming wasn't in the selection. Well, Bruce grew up. He's from Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. So. I don't know if it was the next year or two years later, they had it in San Francisco and uh, Eddie Montague who grew up and lived in San Francisco. His, his dad signed Willie Mays. He didn't get selected to the all-star game. A year or so later, they had the all-star game in Phoenix. We have 17 umpires that live in the Phoenix area and Joe Torrey didn't pick any of them. Wow. <laughs> so, so I picked up the phone and I, I said, Joe, have you lost your mind? I, and I told him, just like I told you, the, the Milwaukee, the San Francisco, now Phoenix, and you didn't pick a single person. For, I said, this is the greatest game an umpire can have because he can take his whole family, and it doesn't cost him a fortune to get them there. They can stay at home. Even if he has to rent a few hotel rooms, it's not like he does when he goes to a World Series or a playoff game where he, he, he spends most of his money 
bringing relatives and family to the games. I said, this is a perfect game to give an umpire. And because it doesn't matter who wins, you can pick one of your umpires that's just coming up or one of your umpires who's not having a good year or whatever. So this is the kind of game that the, the umpires relish having, especially if it's in their hometown. So from that year on, just before they'd make the picks for the All-Star game, he would call me and say, who lives close? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he listened. Look at it. Yeah, then. well, I mean, he had never thought of it that way. He thought of it just like the players did. Oh, I'm getting the – but the players' tickets paid for. The players, some of them flying on a charter jet. So it's not the same thing. So it was it was, uh, it was was kind of a big deal. And I, I think the office has tried to do that ever since. This episode is brought to you by CarShield, who makes it easy and affordable to protect my car from expensive repairs. And that's just for starters. CarShield is the number one auto protection company in the U.S. and offers protection plans for around 100 bucks a month. The plans cover more parts than ever before, whether your car has 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles. Let me tell you how simple it is to get your car fixed. When you need a repair, you choose the mechanic, and CarShield's administrators handle all the rest. That's it. You don't have to deal with the paperwork or the headaches. You're taken care of. The same goes if your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road. Plans through CarShield also include coast-to-coast -coast roadside assistance. CarShield administrators are there for you with rental car options and trip reimbursement at no extra cost. Get coverage today and you'll lock up your price now and it will never go up. That means as long as you own your car, no matter how old it is, you're protected from the rising cost of parts and repairs for your vehicle. CarShield helps protect my wallet from expensive car repairs and they'll do the same for you. Go to carshield.com slash podcast to start your plan and lock in your pricing forever. That's carshield.com slash podcast. A deductible may apply. So how many all-star games were you part of? I had. And do three. you remember your first one? Yeah, my first one was in Oakland. And uh, I was the third base umpire. And I'll never, I'll never forget when you're the rookie or one of the newer umpires, you have to go out. There used to be a challenge thing like throwing to bases and home run hitting and all this stuff. And I'll never forget. I had to go out there and officiate that. And uh, I had to call Gary Carter on picking up two balls at one time to try to throw people out of second base, stuff like that. <laughs> and, but the funniest thing about it was I had had Jack Morris in the minor leagues as a Detroit Tiger. And here I am officiating this thing, the, the skills challenge. And this guy taps me on the shoulder and he says, uh, I'm Jack Morris. <laughs> I'm going, yeah, I know. I had you at Montgomery. Remember? He says, oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember now. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's a it's a fun game. It's a good game. I, it's just uh, – uh, of course, that game wasn't fun. It went extra innings. <laughs> I don't no, think you don't want you don't want free baseball for an no, All Star game. You're that, right. That went extra innings, and, and I think I forget who was managing the the, the National League, but he left Lee Smith in the pitch like three innings <laughs> because the game was tied, <laughs> and he got in all kinds of trouble from the Cubs. Dallas hey, Green had a stroke. <laughs> I'm sure he did. I'm sure you did. And that's the, something that now they talk a little bit more about that now. Don't the managers talk to the other managers about how they're going to use their pitchers? 
compared well, to just yeah. running the guy out there? Yeah, and you know, my my second All-Star game was one of the fastest that was ever played. It was like two hours and 14 minutes. And Bob Dupay from the commissioner's office said, that's awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah. I said, well, how tough is it? The pitchers were trying to strike everybody out, and the hitters were trying not to strike out. So they put the ball in play. And um, that was, a, I mean, that was one of the quickest All-Star games we had. And I, could, I if I remember correctly, I think Mark Burley started – and well, he there you go fa- right there. He, he worked fast. As quick as Burley works, yeah. Yeah. And uh and I think I think the funniest thing that happened that day was Jeff Kent came to the plate. He's batting eighth. Now Jeff Kent was he batted third or fourth with whoever he played with. And I said, I bet you never batted this low in the lineup. He says, Nope, <laughs> I never did. <laughs> Hey, but, now, uh, you, you had a lot of fun with these games, uh, the, the, the famous photograph you took with, uh, with Big Poppy. I mean, guys are a lot more loose, and they can really have fun with this. And I would assume umpires try and do the same thing as long as they get the, get the calls right. Well, yeah, you, you're doing everything you can to get them right. But that wasn't Big Poppy. That was Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz, okay. Yeah. And uh, he came to bat as a pinch hitter. Yeah, that was my third All-Star game. That was in Miami. And uh, he came to bat and he handed Yadier Molina his phone and he said something in Spanish and then he put his arm around me. Molina turned around to take a picture. And all I could think of was, I can't even tell this guy to get the hell away from me. I got a microphone (laughs) on. (laughs) And out of the corner of my eye, I looked over the American League dugout and the the catcher for the Royals, Perez, he is laughing. He's rolling on the – I mean, he just – he thought it was the funniest thing he ever saw. It was like, we got you back. We set you up, you know. Well, so, you, but that you, was, that, it took that, me by surprise for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. That was that was a great moment. And you know what? All I could think of was, this is not going to be good with the office. <laughs> but sure enough, the media thought it was a good thing, so they it did. turned out great. Yeah. Hey, for you um, – do, do do umpires get any sort of commemorative item, you know, for working oh, yeah. the game? Yeah. You get, they get, what do you get? They get the same souvenirs that the players get. They get okay. an all-star ring. Uh, and it's usually, depending on which league it's in, it says American League or National League. But National League players will get one kind of ring. The American League players will get another kind of ring. But usually the umpires get the home team all-star ring. And uh, the, one that, the one that they gave the umpires a few years ago when they played in D.C. was – uh, some marble from the Pentagon or the Capitol or something. It was, wow. a, it was really a, a historic kind of ring. I mean, the one, the one we got in Miami has a big star in the middle of it. And every time I've worn it on an airplane, somebody thinks I played with the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a nice ring, but, but it has a big star in the middle of it. But well, uh, we appreciate their creativity. Hey, yeah. you know, one of the things I was going to ask you about, there are a lot of young umpires working these days in the major leagues. And uh, for the most part, they're doing a pretty good job. Like players who play every day, umpires are going to have bad days too. Uh, how long does it take for an umpire to really get himself acclimated to the big leagues? Because, you know, as I said, players have – it takes them time. Umpires have to do the same thing. And because you only work the plate, what, every four days, uh, the, the reps don't normally come into play when it comes to balls and strikes. Well, I think the biggest thing, and this has been a mistake that baseball made years ago, is keeping the umpires from working home plate every other day like we did in the minor leagues coming up. You didn't work you didn't work with three-man system until you got to triple A. 
today they're trying to put four umpires in a ball. Well, that means those guys don't get to work home plate as many times uh-huh. as they should. And it, like we've talked about before, and I've said this before, you know, a guy asked me to help him with plays at first base. And I said, I can't help you until you can tell me when the ball leaves the shortstop's hand or the third baseman's hand, if it's online. And that's just from experience. And that's mm-hmm. the same thing. Like if you worked 140 games in a ball back in the seventies, 70 of those games were behind the plate. Now you work with four man system. Uh, you, you're only working 20 to 25, you know, because uh, bringing in substitutes and this, this, that, and the other. So you, you don't work as many games behind the plate coming up, which is, I think working home plate is the most important and most imperative part of the game because uh, first of all, the plate umpire is the one in control of the game because of his strike zone. Peter Ubroth once told me one time, he says, there's only two officials in all of sport where that dominant official controls the game. And he says, that's the boxing referee and the home plate umpire in baseball. He said the, the rest of them, the hands-on officiating isn't quite the same. And I, I think he's, he's right. No, he's right. Extent. He's spot yeah. on because you look at the other sports, Football, for instance, you have a referee, you have a line judge, you have a back judge, you have a side judge. In, in hockey, you have two referees and two linesmen. The NBA no. has three three officials on the floor, uh, and they all have equal equal responsibilities. Uh, with with baseball, the home plate umpire is in he's in he's in control of the most important element of the game, and that's making sure you get the balls and strikes correct. And now. He's the only one that really communicates with both benches because, you know, you don't argue on the, on the bases anymore. You don't talk on the bases. So that home plate umpire has a lot of responsibility. Yeah. You know, when we, when we put those replay things in, we thought ejections would go down, you know, for the replays on the bases and everything. Well, the first uh, three months of the season, the ejections went up 35%. Wow. Yeah, that's because they were arguing with the replay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> arguing with, with, with telephone. Yeah, okay, I get it. Guys, it's time to bring that summer heat back into the bedroom. That's right. Confidence can take you far in life. It can also help you in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet and at the fraction of a cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead and be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of our licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive a prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no doctor's office visits, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the United States and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. They always say first impressions are important. What about lasting impressions? Yeah, it's time to get off the couch and back to work. If your tool needs an upgrade, you need BlueChew.com. Women say there's nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. So if you can benefit from the extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free 
when you use our promo code Joe West at checkout. Just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code Joe West to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. Hey, for you umpires, you know, we, we, we see how pro teams travel. They charter, they've got this and they've got that. How do umpires travel and what does your work trunk look like? Cause you take more than just a suitcase. You got your equipment and everything. How does everything work on that freight? Well, the, um, the umpire's equipment bags are shipped by a freight company. And uh, I think Major League Baseball uses two different companies. Uh, one of them is out of Houston and the other one's out of Washington, D.C. And uh, I, I'd hate to mention their names because I might miss, misspeak here, so I'm not going to say who they are. But they're, they're shipped by air freight to get to the next ballpark. And in that equipment bag, you'll have the chest protector, your shin guards, your mask, uh, at least two sets of uniforms because your plate pants have to be bigger to mm-hmm. fit the shin guards under them than your base pants. You probably have a couple belts, a brush, an indicator, uh, and uh, uh, probably four hats. Uh, some of them, uh, two of them will be for the plate, two of them will be for the bases. And um, at one time we carried a hat that had had a mesh cap to it for hot days when it was like a hundred degrees on the field, but you have to, you have to pack all that in a trunk. It's what's called a pre-smire, which was more like an old, an old case that they used to carry on the, the cargo ships years ago for, uh, they're just a, a, they're like a dressing room in a box. And, uh, and for years uh, we've shipped them. And uh, at one time, Bob Engel used to like to, he used to like to, to use the, the pre-smire and carry him himself so he could rent a free car in every town. <laughs> and, and Paul Rungi and I, we broke him with that habit when we stole the equipment bags one day and hit him with the bellman. <laughs> hey, when it comes to your travel, um, do you have any rules on being on the first flight out the next day after a series? Who books your travel? How does that work? Because you guys yeah. don't fly charter, right? No, uh, I I will give them credit. Years ago, when the players used to have to fly commercial, the umpires would be on could be on the same flight, and so the umpires went to the office and said it's not good to have us in the same cabin as the players in case something goes on and da 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 da. So sure enough. Uh, we negotiated to get first class travel and we've been smart enough not to give it back to them. So <laughs> we still fly first class, which you should, if you, you're yeah. having to take a trip of any length of time. And uh, so for the most part, uh, uh, the travel is first class, even though it's still getting on a commercial flight. Now, do and you have to be on the first one out the next day? You try to. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you usually have a backup plan too in case that flight's canceled. And, t- and in today's market, that's a good idea yeah. because air, air travel today is really, really tough. So uh, so do you book your own travel or does Major League Baseball do it? How, is no, that- there's a travel agency and you call and tell them which flights you want to be on and they and they book them according. Okay. And, uh, and there'll be times when you'll have a day off and you get to go home and baseball will let you go home on your day off. 
So uh, those those are important that uh, you get time, especially with these younger umpires. They have kids now. They get they get to see them a little bit during the season, and it, and it's tough. Uh, I can remember this past Fourth of July. I, I told Rita, I said, you know, in forty five years, this is the only Fourth of July. Only four Fourth of Julys I've ever, I've been off in forty five years. Wow. <laughs> Well, so, it's interesting you say that because we were playing uh, Philadelphia Phillies and they were off for the 4th of July, them and the New York Yankees this year. And I get the feeling, Joe, with this new schedule that they're going to come out with next year, we're going to see a lot more irregularities when it comes to the traditional dates of baseball. Well, you, you got to remember, too, years ago, uh, 4th of July for some of these clubs was a doubleheader date. Yeah. Because the Phillies, the Phillies used to schedule doubleheaders. I think they were the last team to schedule doubleheaders because they made a fortune uh, and they scheduled them back to back. They didn't mm-hmm. split them, uh, but they would fill up the stadium every time there was a doubleheader. Of course, they also filled up a couple of jails because of all the fights they had. <laughs> yeah, there would be some people disagreeing. But, you know, they get too much hooch in them on, on the 4th of July that you, got, you have problems. Hey, Joe, tell our listeners what you told me about the all-natural B1 sports performance and wellness patch that's revolutionizing sports nutrition. Fans, there's no more sugary energy drinks or extra caffeine for an energy boost. The B1 patch is fast-acting, it's body heat activated, and proudly made here in the United States. It's a must-have if you're out on the golf course or on the go or just patching up your future major leaguers. Feel good about using this 100% all-natural B1 patch from USA National Patches. It's easy to apply, worn by over 200 athletes, and is the official patch of 78 Division I schools. And, Mike, I personally used the B1 patch for years, and they've made a a real difference in my life. Visit B1.com and enter the code UMPIRE to buy B1 and get one free. I really want you to try these, and I want all our listeners to try it. You'll be glad you did. It's the B1 patch. Don't compete without it. That's buyb1.com. Enter the code umpire and buy one and get one free. Hey, I want to go back to uniforms for a minute because those things have changed a great deal since you first started. Who's in charge of keeping them clean? I mean, uh, is that up to you? Do the clubhouse guys do it in that respective city? Who, who's in charge of that? Well, you know, you go to a clubhouse like Houston's or or St. Louis, uh, sometimes in New York, uh, they'll take your – if your uniform looks sold, those clubhouse attendants will just take them and dry clean them right away. Uh, but uh, for the most part, you're responsible for getting the dry cleaning and and the other stuff done. But uh, the office does have to pay for dry cleaning if uh, you've had to work a rain situation game where you've been out in the rain and got mud and stuff all over stuff. But for the most part, you're you're responsible for maintaining the appearance of your uniform. And, uh, and when I started one of the biggest things was to get that plate coat, mm. you know, that, that was the sign that you'd arrived in the big leagues was I got a plate coat, you know, to work home plate with the pockets and the jacket and everything. And, and they call it the dinner jacket now. And these younger umpires hate it. Really? <laughs> they, they looked at us, us old guys and said, we ain't wearing that thing. You look like you're going to a cocktail party. You know? <laughs> so, but, hey, uh, 
I want to I want to ask you this. Um, you guys are out there in all sorts of weather. Give me the one day where the weather was the, the most miserable you've ever spent on the baseball field. Well, we worked in San Francisco one time, and it never rained so hard to stop the game. And they they used every bag of that diamond dust, that dry mm-hmm. stuff that they had. And the water's dripping off our hats, but it's not raining hard enough to stop the game. And every inning, they brought out stuff to repair the field. And Bobby Bonilla was playing for the Marlins. Was it the Marlins? No, it was the Pirates. He was playing for the Pirates because Jimmy Leland was the manager. And uh, he, he was the only player that complained about the weather. And uh, we got the game in, and the Pirates lost. And the next day, Jimmy Leland came out to home plate with the lineup cards, and he says, that was a good job getting that game in. That was miserable. And it was probably the most – because San Francisco is cold and yeah. it's raining. And uh, and like I said, you could see the, the water dripping off your cap, but it, it never rained so hard that we had to stop the game. So that was a miserable day. But uh, And I, I, I probably told this story about Doug Harvey. But we're in we're in Chicago at Wrigley Field one day, and it's not raining a drop. And Doug ran across the field and started yelling at the ground crew to put the tarp on the field. Well, they thought he'd lost his mind. <laughs> but before they could get the tarp on the field, there was a deluge. I mean, it just poured. And so Dick Williams is in the other dugout, and he said, that's it. He's God from now on. <laughs> I heard that story. So about – about two weeks later, we go to New York and we start the game in the rain and the Mets aren't happy because they got Dwight Gooden pitching and the Padres are there again. And they're not happy because he stopped the game before, before it started raining. Now it's raining and we're going to play. So of course the first inning, they hit a ground ball to Steve Garvey and he waved the pitcher off and slipped and fell down. Of course, error first base. Well, Steve mm-hmm. Garvey didn't make errors. Right. He didn't make errors because he didn't throw the ball to anywhere. Nope, <laughs> what, you're right. But, but anyway, so sure enough, uh, the Mets score a couple runs. So a couple innings go by, and it's still raining, and it's raining. raining. Finally, it's about the fourth, and it's raining so hard we can't see each other. So Doug goes, time, and we go off the field. Well, I'm working with Doug Harvey, Frank Pulley and Jerry Crawford, and I'm the I'm the junior gowns. I'm like a choir boy compared to those three guys. You know, <laughs> I mean, people say I was a red ass my entire. I was like a choir boy compared to them. Yeah, so I'm, I can I'm believe com- that. I'm coming off the field. Garvey's the only one standing on the top step of the and He's getting soaked, and he says, "Joe, did y'all check the field?" And I said, "Yeah, Doug checked the field." He says. And as soon as I said that, Terry Kennedy, who was sitting behind him, says, yeah, but that son of a bitch can walk on water. How does he expect us to play in this show? (laughs) (laughs) So so two weeks later, we go back to Wrigley Field. And who shows up in our locker room but Jerome Holzman? The writer. And and, uh, Pulley and Crawford said, you got to tell Jerome the story. You got to tell him. You got to tell him. So I told the whole story. The next day, the Chicago Chicago Tribune, it says, God visits Wrigley. <laughs> and he wrote the whole story. Hey, you know, how does it work now 
uh, how much control do umpires have when when we start to have rain? The field's covered. You you take everybody off the field. What's the process in when you decide on whether you're going to continue to play or you're going to bang this game? We'll come back and do it another time. Who who makes the decisions in that process? Well, you you try to talk with everybody. Um, sometimes there's no place to play the game again. So you will wait longer than you normally would to call a game. Uh, we had a, you might've been there. We had a situation in St. Louis where the storm came in so fast and uh, it ripped the tarp. Uh, I was there. I remember and, you, uh, you were on the phone with Joe Torrey, I believe uh, about the, the feasibility of playing. Yeah. Well, they, they told us, they said, uh, there's no place for them to play this game and they're both independent hunts. So you, you need to try to get this in. So I went back out and I said, you're going to have to dig up the third baseline because it was a quagmire. It was everywhere you stepped, you'd sink in the mud. And I'll never forget the, the head groundskeeper says, I, I can't fix it. I said, well, you're going to have to fix it. I know you got plenty of dirt out there in the outfield behind the fence. I said, you're going to have to fix it. because We're going to play. And he says, I'm, I'm not doing it. I said, well, then I'll get somebody else to take your place. He said, you're not my boss. I said, I am now. <laughs> so you're going to fix it. And you dig that thing out and fill it in with fresh dirt. And we're going to play. So they did. We were playing in like 40 minutes. And the guys did a good job. They hustled their ass off. And me and the groundskeeper kissed and made up. And so everything was all right. <laughs> but but uh, there was no place for them to play the game. Mm-hmm. So we had to play it. And then uh, there are going to be times when the team calls them off. I've, I've had games called off before we get to the ballpark. Yeah. And they, in fact, years ago, I, I'll never forget this. This is a funny story. Uh, we go to the ballpark and John Kibler, I mean, it's pouring. And uh, John Kibler says, we got to go on the field for the exchange of the lineup cards. I said, we're not going to play in this, are we? He says, no. But the Cubs just called and said, they don't get the television money unless we call the game. That's right. <laughs> so we went out in the soaking rain, took the lineup cars and waved it off. <laughs> and the Cubs were happy at that point. Hey, you know, um, there, there's so many of those things that happen. And when you have a rain delay, you could be there for a while. Oh, What's yeah. the latest you ever were involved in a game? When, when the game was finally over, what time was it? Well, it must have been St. Louis. I was thinking the same thing because I was there that night too, and it was one. And I've sat through a couple of twenty-plus inning games, but that one w- was extra innings, if I'm not mistaken, plus the rain delay. So we were there for quite some time. Plus the team, the visiting team, had overtaken the home team, and they had just changed the rule back to where the visiting team would lose if we'd have called the game off. That was uh, and that was a general manager's decision to change that rule because they said it cost too much money for us to go back and replay it. So if it was the last series of the season, that wouldn't revert back. So it wasn't a cons- consistent rule. So okay. Joe and Joe Tory and I are on the phone the whole time that's happening. And I said, "You mean to tell me that I'm going to go out here and take RBIs and hits away from the team that just?" overtook the Cardinals and uh, and call the game off and give the Cardinals the victory when they when they blew this lead. And he said, well, it looks like you're going to have to. Anyway, we called back and forth for about the, an hour. 
And uh, finally, we just went out and tried to finish. And it it was wet. It was not good conditions. Would I start in, Would I have started a game in that in those conditions? Absolutely not. <laughs> but we made every effort to get three more outs, and we got them. And uh, so the right team won that game. Uh, because they had come from behind, like four or five runs behind. Uh, but I think we we left there at like three in the morning. It was a long, long night. Yeah, and then I, we then we drove to Chicago for a day game. That's right. That's right. And, I remember that. That's and when right. We, when we got there, everybody knew what we had done. <laughs> we had a one at one twenty game in Chicago, and. Uh, both managers told their players there will be no arguing with the umpires today. <laughs> we save it for tomorrow, but not today. <laughs> Joe, it's great to have Workout Anytime on board. 5460 is one of our sponsors. You know, many of our listeners know Workout Anytime as their hometown club, and they can work out on their schedule 24-7. Others might be aware that Workout Anytime has a great business opportunity as well. That's right, Mike. Workout Anytime is one of the top 200 fastest growing franchises in America. They've been this for more than 20 years and are currently in 22 different states and internationally in Honduras and Costa Rica. Opening up a gym and becoming part of a $30 billion health and fitness industry has never been easier when you choose to invest in a Workout Anytime franchise. Joe, did you know one in five American adults have a fitness club membership? I did know that, as a matter of fact, and I'm told that the number is expected to nearly double in the next 10 years. Mike, I know those folks that work out anytime, and I have known them for a long time. They're so passionate about the industry, and their franchises rave about the support the company provides. Here's a great business tip. Go to WorkoutAnytimeFranchise.com and learn more. While you're there, you can see a map available. While you're there, you'll see a map of available locations and find out how to arrange an initial phone conversation to hear more about a proven Workout Anytime business model. That's WorkoutAnytimeFranchise.com. Hey, before we get out of here, you, for the first time in 45 years, you've had a chance to sit back and take in the game without worrying about the next game or the lineup card or any of that stuff. Uh, what have you come to like about the game? Maybe you didn't see as much of when you were umpiring. Well, I like I like the exuberance that these kids have when they play well. I mean, uh, I I think if they channel their energy right, it's a good thing. But I can I can remember when uh, when I played football in college, a, a celebration and being happy you did something was a waste of energy mm -hmm. and you needed your energy in that fourth quarter to, to make the run at it. But I, I was often under the impression that the difference between the professional and the amateur is the professional always acted like he meant to make a good play. <laughs> and, but to see the exuberance of a guy who pitches a good game, uh, to see the exuberance of a guy hitting a home run, I, I don't mean showing somebody up. I mean, just, the sheer joy of it. And, and that's something I don't think the average American public realizes it. You know, in all the games I worked, I never won one. I didn't lose any, <laughs> but I didn't win any either. And uh, so when the, your only satisfaction is your, 
your team members coming in and saying, Hey, great game. Good job. You know, that's, that's not the same as when you hit a game winning home run, like Ted Williams did in 1941 and the, and the whole town is cheering because that was the winning home run in the all-star game or like when uh, Joe Carter hit the home run to win the world series and things of that nature. So uh, the umpires don't win. In fact, probably the best compliment you could be given is if when the losing pitcher walks out the mound after being taken out in the seventh or eighth inning and he's losing, if he nods and says, thank you, good job. That's about the biggest compliment you're ever going to get. So that's, well, a, that's a huge thing. And, and you know what? They, they tried to put a program together a couple of years back about to let them just let them play. Right. You know, and now a, a little bit of that was, was good. But then the idea of somebody hitting a home run and showing somebody up is not a good thing. Nope. So there was a very fine line there. But uh, again, the the I think the thing that that really uh, changed my attitude about you know excitement of the game is the umpires don't ever win, and uh, and that's that's not good because they should be patted on the back. My first league president. Uh, he would he would call you when he thought you made a mistake, but he would never compliment you when you thought you did something great. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we had a little conversation with him about it, and and we said, uh, "Chubb, you never compliment them when they do the right thing." He says, "I'm paying them to do the right thing. I'm not paying them to do the wrong thing." So <laughs> that and that was that was his attitude. And uh, but I'll give. I'll give Rob Manfred credit. He called me one day when I had a situation with Joe Madden and he said, uh, we don't ever call you enough to say good job, but you did a good job in handling that situation. And, uh, in fact, uh, in fact, I think that happened in St. Louis too. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, I, I don't think you give these guys enough credit to, you know, to make them smile. They, they need, they need a pat on the back every now and then, just like everybody else. Absolutely. Hey, Joe West, we're out of time for today. It's been fun, man. We're going to enjoy the all-star game and next week we'll come back with another fun guest. Uh, Great to hear all these great stories, man, about how the game works behind the scenes. So you enjoy yourself, enjoy the all-star game. And for our viewers and listeners, we invite you to do the same thing. And if you haven't heard all of our podcasts, just go to the site, and you can pick up a lot of fun people we've had a chance to talk to, and we have a lot more in store for you. So on behalf of Joe West, I'm Mike Claiborne. You've been listening and watching the Joe West Podcast, 5460. We talk to you again down the road. My baby took me to the ballpark to see a baseball game. Lord, it had to be at least 99 in the shade. I was stealing a glance at some tight short pants just as I turned my head. My baby grabbed me by the arm and this is what she said. If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. If I catch you playing the field, you're going to be long gone. You better play it safe and don't do me wrong Cause if you cheat on me, you'll be out at home You've been listening to 5460, the Joe West Podcast Here on the Podcast Heat Network 
Make sure to subscribe and don't miss an episode each and every Monday. We'll talk to you next week. She's checking all the signs While I'm enjoying two of the great American pastimes It's fouling up my nerve Watching all these curves Remembering what she said to me And if I get caught looking It's gonna be strike three If you cheat on me You'll be out at home If I catch you playing the field You're gonna be long gone better play it safe and don't do me wrong cause if you cheat on me well you'll be out at home if you cheat on me you'll be out at home if i catch you playing the field you're gonna be long gone you better play it safe and don't do me wrong cause if you cheat on me well, you'll be out at home If you cheat on me You'll be out at home